once you get the opportunity, you better show up and have something to say and not just do it to promote yourself. They're never going to ask you back. This is the first person that's come on this podcast that has actually told us how to utilize Twitter. Today we had on Tom Story. Great voice, great name, great face. He talks about a special video that he sends to his clients twice a year, how he uses Twitter to land TV spots, how YouTube has helped explode his business, and how he gets clients to know him before the listing presentation. Mr. Tom Story, hello. How are What's you? What's going on? I'm I'm good, man. How are you, dude? I am so stoked to have you on. So you're like a Eric doesn't really know. He's like a Tom's like a Canadian national treasure at this point. Okay, <laughs> I've seen. So a little little story right off. Uh, I compare. Do you know Byron Lazine, Tom? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watch. I watch your guys' stuff. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. So I think you're like Canadian Byron. That's how I so, slightly less controversial, maybe. Yeah, yeah. See, Tom already seems way nicer than Byron. <laughs> yeah. I don't know well, yeah, I guess Byron. he's nicer, but yeah. he, that's just the Canadian in us. He's, Smi he's already smiled. Nicer. Yeah, you got. He's already smiled more in the first twenty seconds than Byron has in you know thirty plus <laughs> years. So, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I saw Tom speak in probably one of my probably my first year in real estate. I saw you speak at Richard Robbins, mm. and you were super inspirational. I thought you were so cool. And uh, I've learned now that you're not as cool as I thought you were on that stage, but you're very inspirational. You were a young guy doing what I wanted to do. And it's super cool that now we've like connected and we're friends and I'm stoked to have you on. Well, I mean, I feel the same way about you. I, you, you come to all my events and you're probably the reason why most people buy the tickets. So, you know, it's a great relationship. <laughs> yeah. It's great. So Tom, you are a, uh, you're top 1% in Canada. You got the Tom story show. I just saw you're a McGilvery trusted team. Now Scott mm. McGilvery, Eric, you know, Scott? No. Okay. Well, we'll move on from that. Because well, who, he who know is anybody. that? What's, what's a McGilvery he's, he's, trusted thing? Scott McGilvery is a big HGTV personality. Got it. Okay. He's like income property. Okay. Uh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So for people who may not know you, can you just kind of give us your backstory a little bit to get started? Yeah, your sure. Story. My story. Yeah. So I, um, when I actually, when I started, I used to call and book showings when it wasn't just all online, people would be like, is that your actual last name or did you change it? I'm like, no, that's, that's it. Solid. Um, so I've been doing real estate nine years. Uh, I work in the city of Toronto, the center of the universe of Canada, at least I tell people, um, Started on my own. Now I have a team. Now I'm mostly listing focused. Um, I certainly struggled out the gate. Those first two years were very difficult. I mean, I started when I was 22. Um, and even now getting the seat at the table with, you know, a husband, wife, they still, they still look at each other like this guy's young. Let's, let's see what he has to say. 10 years ago, it was way harder than that. Right. So it's, it's been a big, uh, big change. I think the biggest thing that I've been focusing on pretty much for the last like five years going hard on is content. Um, agent referrals is a massive uh, part of our, our growth and the amount of transactions that we do. Obviously, repeat and referrals, the biggest one. And then what I know we'll probably get into today, but we've gone pretty hard on YouTube the last 12 months and it's become a legitimate uh, lead source. Yeah, we, everyone we've had on recently is obsessed with their YouTube channel and how many referrals they're getting and how much business they're getting from it, which we definitely want to get into. I heard you recently on a podcast say that your year one, you did nothing right. So <laughs> I kind of want to dive into that. I guess you were 22 years old. 
What did you do wrong year one in real estate? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is scheduling. Like I think that's going to be most agents downfall is basically I said yes to everything. And actually one of my goals this year is to say no to more things. Um, and just really focusing on the things that I know I need to do that first year. So in, in Toronto, I survived doing leases. I would literally run ads on Kijiji and I would just meet anybody because my friends couldn't even afford to buy real estate. Their parents certainly didn't trust me, right? Like you're the kid that used to drink in their basement when you start at that age. Like you're not getting a <laughs> listing, right? right. <laughs> they might like, you know, talk to you to get a question on something, but they're not going to hire you. And, uh, Probably, you know, I started at a smaller kind of no name brokerage just because my aunt's friend worked there and he was great. I love him, but probably the environment wasn't the right environment. And, uh, you know, I think I did like three sales that first year. Like I certainly wasn't a natural, did a ton of leases just to survive. And like, thank God I was living in my parents' basement at the time that I didn't have expenses. But six months in, I had many times where I was like, this isn't going to work. Like I, I can't survive here. And I didn't get into real estate to make crazy amounts of money it was like oh this looks like an interesting thing that i could do and let's give it a shot and um yeah i i about that first year i probably didn't do anything right but then wound up at a real estate conference because i got a free ticket at the end of that first year i was like oh there's actually training out there i should probably listen to it and then just didn't look back from there so okay so we i got into real estate to make a lot of money nothing else i didn't think it was interesting yeah. at all um, yeah, you're the first person to say it was interesting. You're also the first person to, to say um, that you went to a conference and you actually implemented what happened at the conference. I feel like there's professional conference goers yeah. who feel like they're doing things. Did, did, did you say that? Did I take that from you, Eric? No, I was just raising my hand as a professional oh. conference goer <laughs> who implements nothing. No, yeah, you didn't well, take that I, from me. Okay. I don't know what I take from who now. Um, but I feel like they go, you know, thinking this is going to help my business. And, you know, as long as they go to the conference, it's helping their business. But if they don't actually implement anything that they, they if they just write notes and then never look at the notepad again, it, it means nothing. It was just a, an excuse to go drink with friends. Um, so what did you implement after that first year that you learned at some of those conferences? The first thing was when you're sitting in the back row of a conference and you don't have any friends there and you're just watching the people that go on stage, you learn pretty quick. And I say this like in sincerity of like, they're not smarter than you. They're not necessarily more knowledgeable than you. They're just doing something different. And I, like many agents, especially earlier on in my career, I was so frustrated because I felt like on like an understanding of the market level, a, a client experience level, I could do it. I just had no opportunities. Like, how do I get to the kitchen table? How do I even, how does this happen? So the big thing was back then, like, you know, now it's like everyone always is going to say, do video, do video, do video. At uh, the beginning of 2015, it wasn't quite that way, at least in Canada. And uh, I wrote down in capital letters, like I'm just video. So what I would do is it was called the story report. And I literally sit there. It was so bad. Like they still exist online, right? Sit there, look at my notes in front of me and read off like the detached average price was this. And, you know, like so bad, like my soul was sucked out of me. It's just a different person <laughs> talking. Um, and uh, I would send it to my database. And the thought process was make these video every single month, send it to your database. I would send it through BombBomb as like a, a mass email to everybody with the video embedded. And then what I realized from doing it is, oh, other realtors are actually watching you do it as well. So then you're building credibility that way. And one thing that I don't think gets brought up enough about video and content creation is if you're talking about something, you better know what you're saying. 
So I actually thought I became a better real estate agent and had a better understanding of the market by filming myself. So that was kind of like the, the one thing I did because I didn't have money to send flyers or do expensive marketing. I was like, let's just do this. It's free. And it's funny because back then I was like, I, I only put my videos on YouTube. So they'll show up on my website. That was the purpose of it. There was no thought behind it. Yeah. The website yeah. was everything back in 2014, 2015, every agent, including myself back then was just like, how do I have the most epic, sick, aesthetically pleasing website? How do I have blogs and videos and all the properties and everything on that website where now I feel like the website is almost an afterthought. It could be, you know, kind of your profile. It describes who you are, has your listings, but you're not really publishing that much content to the website unless you have a blog, right? Like it's just, you're kind of publishing it everywhere else. So when you were making those first videos, you said you published them to YouTube, but most of, the, most of these were just kind of one-on-one, -on -one, like sending to your clients, to your database. Like were you publishing these anywhere else or it was just straight to your clients? When I first started doing it, it would go directly to the clients. I would also, this was when, I, I, don't, I don't remember when Instagram let you post longer videos, but I would, for a while there, I was posting the full five minute video on Instagram, <laughs> which I learned pretty quick, nobody cares and they're not yeah. gonna watch it on that platform. Um, and then I put it on YouTube. But the thought behind all of this was literally just like, I'm making this for my past clients or the people in my CRM. I'm going to send it to them. I just want them to think of me because people don't move that often. Like the percentage that the average consumer needs us isn't actually that big. But when that moment comes, I just didn't want to not do it that month so they wouldn't think of me. The one-on-one yeah. -on -one personal videos is kind of like a lost art now, I feel like, because everyone's so hyper-focused on publishing content to Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube to get a following. And yep. they're making content kind of just for the algorithm or just to make content, not specifically for that one-on-one -on -one client interactions. One thing we were talking about on BAM before the holidays was like, send your clients a personal video, send your clients a personal audio message, something like that. It's such a different way to produce content where you're not thinking, this is going to get likes and follows and comments. This is just for you because I want business and I want to show you who I am, basically. It's a and good that one-to-one -one content that nobody sees but you and your client is way more powerful than the one-to-everybody content. Like the amount of transactions we've done or listings we've signed from the one-to-one -one videos is way higher than anything I could calculate back from just the, the mass everything content, right? We've been, we've been doing something called a real estate health check for like the last five years. And it's that idea where, you know, if Matt was my client, I'd, I'd set it up. I'd, I'd have like my screen recording on say, Hey Matt, it's Tom. This is your real estate health check. I send these twice a year to all of our clients. And you know, you go to your doctor twice a year, or at least you should, you go to your dentist twice a year. We should talk once or at least twice a year about what's going on in the market. So on my screen here, you can actually see the last three properties that sold in your area. Check out number two, because it was an identical floor plan to your house, but only had one car garage. You have two. And on the top right there, check out what the sold price is. Anyways, I hope you're good. I know you're not looking to move. Have a great day. That video is probably the best ROI of my entire business. And I send it twice a year, usually March heading into April because April is our busiest month and August heading into September just to update people. Yeah, I feel like they even get more valuable as you grow as well. Like whether that's growing your business or your following because it's almost like, oh my God, you still remember me or you're, you're still thinking of me like you have all these followers now or you have this huge business now but you're still taking time to talk with me and i think sometimes i know for me as my following grows people you have to do that because people actually like message me sometimes be like 
Hey, do you do this? Would you do this? Um, you know, are you still doing homes at this price? So to like make that connection and, and not forget about that, I think is huge. And clearly it is um, for you as well, Tom. People think that when you grow in, in, you know, whether it's like subscribers on a platform or, you know, how your, you know, Matt, your Instagram blew up, blew up is like, well, do you, are you, do they even have enough time for me? Like we're almost putting off this vibe that we are so busy because we say we're busy because we don't want to say we're not busy that some clients might think like, oh, never mind, They have too much going on. I'm going to go elsewhere, which is like obviously the opposite of what we want. Yeah. You could almost yeah. out busy yourself where people don't want to work with you because you're such a good agent and you're showing so much content that people are like, yeah, this guy's unattainable at this point. I just want to touch upon one more thing that you said about how, when you actually talk about stuff on a consistent basis, you're kind of tweaking that brain muscle and learning more what you're saying, like to actually know what you're talking about. The more you vocalize stuff like Matt and I do this all the time on the podcast, obviously with like marketing tips and everything, the way more knowledgeable you become with this, the way easier it is to talk, I'm sure in front of clients about what's going on in the market when you're producing this type of content. So anyone that's still kind of refraining from video or refraining from doing content like this, you're just tweaking that muscle and making it stronger the more you do it because you just get these dialogue patterns in your head that you could kind of follow as opposed to having to think of what to say. Sometimes I'll get asked a question by a client face to face and I'll answer it. And after I'm done talking, I'm like, I have no clue what I just said. You're like, because it's like, it's like literally I've said it so many times yeah, yeah, yeah. that it just comes out. Yeah. You're like, yeah. you hear them ask the question. You're like, get excited. You're like, I know exactly what I'm going to say to this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Like it's, it's confidence. What it really is at the end of the day, it's the reps and then it builds that confidence. Yeah. I do that sometimes too, where someone asks me a question and I answer and then I'm like, can we just like, look back on that answer yeah, real quick because that, that was happened. fantastic yeah what yeah like because <laughs> that was yeah, I blacked out I, blacked I, almost, out. I sometimes think the opposite like if you're talking on a podcast so much or you're doing speaking gigs you you find yourself saying the same thing so many times yeah as you do i'm sure with speaking gigs and talking on the news and youtube channel that you kind of wonder who has heard it and who hasn't and then i always try to tell myself that basically less than 10% of your audience is actually consuming the content or even gives a shit about what you're saying. So if you keep saying it, some people are still listening, right? I mean, if they even remembered that you'd said it before just shows they've watched you enough that that's a good thing. And you're not going to ruin that relationship by repeating yourself, right? right. Like, has Gary yeah. V said anything different for the past five years? <laughs> it's just shifted from NFTs. Yeah to you know language around that to chat gpt to everything but yes you're right well, he has consistently the, said yeah. the same theme for years he says the yeah. same thing whether he's at a garage sale or buying nfts yeah right so, you don't and i've actually that's worked against me where like sometimes i'll do three new segments in a day and it's the same topic but different networks and by the last one i'm like i have to say something different here and on one of them they're talking about like why millennials want to own homes and I was like, okay, I can't say the same thing I've said in the other two. I was like, well, you know, they look at their parents and a lot of their parents bought a property and, and maybe became wealthy by mistake because they didn't think it would go up 10 times in price. And then the, the YouTube video from that media network is realtor says Canadians have become wealthy by mistake. And I'm just, the comments just roasted. Yeah. Absolutely so let's talk, let's, let's talk about this. So Eric, this happened to Tom like a couple of months ago. You said, there's a whole interview with you. They pull that one headline and then people like bombarded you. Like they're upset with you with that well, one little thing that they pulled. So you're on the news. Let's, uh, 
okay, so you're on the news. Um, we'll get into how you get on the news, but tell that story first to Eric, and then uh, we'll 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 get on the rest of the shit. Yeah, so I've probably done this network like 50 times in the last five years. I do it a lot, and it's always gone pretty well, and I've never really had any backlash. But I, again, I should have maybe changed the wording of what I was trying to say is like they didn't think their house would go 10 times up in value. They were buying it to live somewhere. Um, but you know, their job is to write headlines, and when they repost that video, that was the headline. There was another one actually that came out like two weeks later where as the rates continue to go up, they said, you know, what would you tell sellers? And I said, well, you know, I don't think necessarily it's going to get better here in the next six months. So if you want to do it, do it now. And the headline is a realtor says sellers should sell now. And the right. comments are like, yeah, funeral owner says you should die. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know, you, it, it is what it is. I guess it's part of it. But um, yeah, if I'm ever having a good day, I just go back to that video and read the comments and it, it pulls me back down. Is this a local news <laughs> publication that's, repurposing the, these videos or creating these headlines or what publication is this it's it's like either ctv or global news which is like two of the big ones in right. canada okay yeah. Yeah. yeah so how how do you get on something like that like what was the first thing that kind of did they see a video of you how did that all happen yeah i think if i was to answer that question today it would be like grow a following on twitter even though that's like the dark hole of the internet um Grow following there and every all the journalists want to see what's going on. If you post about it, they'll reach out to you. That's how a lot of my colleagues have gotten on it more recently. At the beginning, it was actually because I was making these crappy little YouTube videos and market updates. The company that I worked for had a PR department and they were like, hey, you can talk in front of a camera. Would you ever be interested in doing that? That kind of dried up though over the last few years. But once you get on the Rolodex of that of the news and, and you have to say yes, you have to move your schedule. If you say no too many times, they're not going to call you back. So that's kind of how it started. It actually started with like phone interviews for newspapers or not newspapers, but it would end up online. And then actually the first time I did live news was New Year's Day 2018. And probably because I was the fifth person they asked because everyone else was like, there's no way I'm coming in New Year's <laughs> Day. And then after that, it just it kept saying yes. And I guess I haven't screwed up too much that they keep asking me back. Did you take it's it funny. easy the, the night before that? Because I can't imagine being hungover or trying to get the brain to function on the news. That would be horrifying. I kept it relatively easy, but it's always like they give you two hours notice. It was like, yeah. I remember having brunch with my family at 11 a.m. They're like, can you come on at 1 p.m. in studio live? And I'm like, okay. Like, that it still it's terrifies me. Right before, my heart's still beating before that stuff because it's live. Yeah. Yeah. And they can pull whatever they want to pull and they can make you look however they want to make you look. It's funny. Yeah. I've never gotten the call, Eric. I'm not well, sure we're in the same market. I don't know why they're skipping build over a, my videos. Build a Twitter following possibly. <laughs> so is that your number one recommend recommendation for agents who want to get on the news is to build a Twitter following and start tweeting out real yes. estate shit? Like what, right. what should right. they do? What kinds of things stand the test of time? Ancient lockboxes, Twinkies, the MLS having a horrible interface and buyer's dads ruining deals. Well, you can add real estate success to that list when you partner with Boomtown. That's right. It is 2023. It is time to get a CRM if you do not have one already. Boomtown is the number one user rated real estate CRM in the game. Boomtown was built to drive sustainable long-term success no matter what is happening in the market. So if you're ready to put your best foot forward and build a real estate business that can stand the test of time, visit boomtownroi.com slash 
over ask. Plus, see how you can score 750 bucks in free digital advertising. That's boomtownry.com slash over ask. Right now, if if you don't have an in in some other capacity, yeah, you grow a following on Twitter, you you re, you respond to the local people in your community's tweets that are reporters about whether there's a real story reporter, talk to them, find out their email, email them and say, I have an opinion on this because they're they're looking for content all day long. Um, right. It's not actually as hard as people think. It's just once you get the opportunity, you better show up and have something to say and not just do it to promote yourself. They're never going to ask you back. Matt, this is the first person that's come on this podcast that has actually told us how to utilize Twitter in, a, in an effective way for a real estate yeah. agent. We've we've asked before, at least I've asked on other podcasts, how can agents utilize Twitter? Is there a point of even growing a following on Twitter? Because you know you don't post listings on Twitter, right? It's not really for photos yeah. or publishing links or anything like that. It's more commentary or replies. So this is great advice it's, for people who want to get on the news. It's literally so Matt, just your opinion. Matt, you it's say funny stuff all the time. Like you think of funny one-liners, those are tweets. You should start saying yeah. those and like replying, you know, with the Grant Cardone 10X stuff in like local <laughs> real estate news. I think that'd be a really effective uh, way for you to get on the news. Like you'd be hilarious. If I ever if get on the, the news, news, it'll it'll be the first and last time. Yeah. Because I would, yeah. because the thing is, is I would, and I hope they don't see this because I, I want that one time. But I would understand the moment it would be for me if I just completely fucking went for it in right. terms of like being me. And uh, I would never be back on the news, but I think I would grow it immensely over that. The, the clip um, would go viral, probably. It'd be like a Ron Burgundy not realizing he just swore at the end of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I mean, that is true. Uh, congratulations, Tom, because when Eric takes off his sweater, that means we're, we're on to oh, something good. That means so, I'm yeah. fired up. Yeah, I was, <laughs> it was freezing in here. And once you started talking about Twitter, I just started sweating my ass off. I actually have, I actually have one more thing to say about Twitter, which I'm yeah. finding. Twitter, if you search hashtag real estate and you follow real estate related accounts, it's serving up great content to quote tweet and to use and embed in articles and to write opinions on or to do green screens on. There's a great guy named Strip Mall Guy. Yeah, he comes up on mine all the time. Yeah, he's always popping up. He's saying great stuff. Chris Smith. Um, like there's so could've many worked, good- Could have worked on his name a bit more, but yeah. It's called Strip Mall Guy, right? Right. I no, I couldn't. Name, right? I'm just it's saying he could have worked on his handle. Guy, a bit. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. whatever. He He's always saying good stuff about real estate. And it's it's a untapped bank of content for real estate agents. If you search on Twitter, just hashtag realtor. There's so much. If you do hashtag Zillow too, there's so much funny content of people talking about Zillow, talking about the crazy homes or how they're searching on Zillow. So highly recommend doing that for people looking to create content. Yeah. 100 percent right, so tom I'm settled down i'm settled down okay yeah actually Sorry. you can actually leave the podcast yeah now. all right i'll, thanks, ta guys. I'll take it from here that. yeah um let's pivot a little bit um so it's interesting because you had a successful business kind of before you really went all into youtube yeah and then you understood that youtube was like a tool you could really utilize and leverage moving forward to your already thriving business so what made you what clicked for you when you said okay i'm going to double down on this um, and what has it done for your business from, sure. you know, right before YouTube to now? Okay. So I, I have these numbers in my head, so they're not going to be perfect, but I ran the 2022 numbers. So I posted 65 videos on YouTube in 2022 videos about my local market, what was happening in different asset classes, and then some like general countrywide news. That was just a great headline I had to use. Right. 
we got 83 appointments booked with us through our calendar, which I have a call to action in every video from those 65 videos, 83 people reached out. We sold 26 properties firm directly from people that reached out from YouTube, did just over 300,000 in GCI on top of our, our regular business. And when you break it down even further, it was like every view was actually worth, I don't know, 40 cents or something. And every video I posted ended up being worth $4,000. Wow. Um, so now I was doing YouTube before this, but with no actual plan. And it really only the last year it spiked. So, and like of those 65 videos, we ended last year with like 450,000 views. So it's not like I'm getting millions of views per video. I, I just have over 7,000 subscribers. Like it's, it's really not that big of a thing, but people that watch you there, they watch long form video and it, and they really feel like they get to know you. And it's gotten to the point, like so ridiculous where I'm getting stopped on the street by people being like, I watch your video. Can we take a picture together? I'm like, I filmed a video in my basement. Like, why do you want a picture with me? Right. Um, but well, you also kind of look like Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah I'll take that. Do. I'll take yeah, that. Good yeah. looking guy right here. If you're not watching on YouTube, make sure you switch over to YouTube and throw <laughs> Tom a like right here because strapping lad, great hair. Um, yeah. But I was wrong about Please. YouTube. I used to say it was just a place to put your videos. So they'd show up on your website. And I will, I've taken some flack for this opinion. Um, TikTok's great. Do your thing. I personally think TikTok for, for the majority, for 98% of real estate agents is a great place to fill your ego. It's going to feel really good. You're going to get a lot of views, a lot of likes. Some stuff could take off. But if you want to fill your bank account in 2023, I would be focusing on YouTube because it's more difficult. There's less competition. There's every realtor is doing something on TikTok. They're all on Instagram how many in your market, like what would it take for you to be the number one realtor in your market on YouTube, giving actual valuable information? I bet it wouldn't be that much. Isn't it crazy how the pendulum keeps swinging through these social media platforms, how Instagram from basically 2016 to early 2020, like was king in terms of this is where you want to build an audience, not just for vanity metrics, but also kind of for business. And the people, the agents slowly building YouTube channels in the background, who were not trying to become TikTok famous and weren't, you know, at all these speaking gigs or whatever, they were crushing it. And then now they're being brought to light again, partly a little bit through this podcast and just through all these agents now talking about YouTube so much. Like it, it's almost like it, it went from TikTok to YouTube where it's like, this is where you actually get business from. Just like you said, you can get followers on TikTok, you can post funny videos, you can get all those vanity metrics. But if you're sitting there creating eight to 10 minute long form videos that are hyper localized for your market. That's where the actual business is coming from. So it's cool to see it just like constantly flip back and forth. It's probably because whenever one thing becomes the next thing, everyone goes there and ruins it. And then we figure out what yeah, the next 100%. thing is. Right? Yeah. That's what YouTube's... happened with like the, the comedy style videos. Yeah. I mean, exactly. everyone just jumped in and it's, you know, which once was a creative way of marketing yourself is now like, so oversaturated so you constantly have to like move to be like at the top of that kind of chain exactly and i think the youtube also brings out the really high quality knowledgeable creators that are willing to put in that effort because anybody could flick their phone around do a green screen or turn on a, a ring light and do a sort of dance right but for youtube you actually have to think about the lighting the mic what am i going to say for 10 minutes what 
landscape and I'm, am I going to go look at like what what's the background going to be? But for vertical video, it's just so much more attainable and easier. That's why the YouTube barrier to entry now, I feel like, well, I guess it's a harder barrier to entry, but the competition is less. Am I making any sense is, here? I feel like I'm, I'm talking. No, the, no it's, yeah. Sorry, go, Matt. The, the, the competition is way less because you're way more vulnerable. Like you said, Tom, you better know what you're talking about. If you're going to post a 10 minute video, yeah. you better know your shit. Like, honestly. So I think it's just people are kind of uh, almost afraid of it. It's also like, what do you say for 10 minutes? So like, I've got a formula now where the way I look at YouTube videos is kind of like the way a big actor would look at like movies they'd pick. You do one blockbuster to pay for your next three indies right? Because you, the, what you actually want to do, but you got to get paid to make the next ones happen. So like, you know, I put out a video yesterday. I think it's already at like 8,000 views in a day. It took off just about, it was like this crazy clickbait headline about how a high percentage of people may not be able to make their mortgage payments moving, moving forward. And so my formula now is go to Google, type in the, the area that I want, click news. The headlines have already been written for you, right? That's now the title of your video. It's already working with the metrics. And sometimes a video gets like kissed by the algorithm and the external views go crazy as well, which I can't tell you how it happens. It just sometimes happens. So that's your headline. And I start the video by saying, this is what we're going to talk about. I ask the viewer, what do you think? So I get the comments like flowing right away. And then I just share my screen and I'm literally just looking at the article and talking about it. So it's like, that's how it, it becomes like a more natural kind of flowing video. Of, of what's happening where that's where those 10 minutes can fill up. So like, I don't script my videos. I sit down, I have a formula, I edit them, I put them up and it's just consistently doing it. Cause it, it, you know, it takes a long time to actually build the audience and people certainly aren't going to reach out to you after your first three videos. It's going to take like six months. Yeah. Well, and once you do it back to like the reps and stuff, like that's the more consistent you are, the better you get at it. And I think people like um, when you're just kind of like, they feel like they're reading through it with you. So it's almost yeah. like a little more engaging, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's pretty much your main thing. Well, I'll do that. And then like the other videos that always do really well is like, you know, buying a, a condo five mistakes to avoid or the, or the five worst parts about living in Toronto or whatever. And, th and those are the evergreen ones that always do really well. Um, and then sometimes I'll do a video that tank It's like a, a 10 out of 10 on YouTube, as you guys will probably know, is not a good thing. It means it's the 10th worst video of your last 10 in terms of views right off the bat. Um, but those videos will sometimes get me the most amount of appointments. So that's the thing too. It's like you, you almost have to play that game where you got to do these type of videos to get the viewership and subscribers to build the authority that people watching know other people watch you. But then you can throw in like, here's my three favorite condos in this specific area and it gets 500 views but you get six appointments and frankly that's all i really care about is is yeah. i'm i'm doing this because it's part of my business i enjoy it but i'm i'm doing it as a as part of my business plan that's the instagram strategy matt and i always talk about is having hyper localized stuff for your actual market and then doing the broader more specific stuff that other agents will actually like and follow you for referrals like you're not going to get a ton of engagement on the Santa Monica condo or that specific area that you're talking about, because that's not going to get shared a bunch outside of that specific area. But if you do something more broad about the market, you kind of need to do, like you said, two and three, or, you know, figure out a formula for that. So how are you plugging your Calendly link? Are you putting that in the description? Sure. What are you saying throughout the video to plug 
saying like, hey, book an appointment with me. Yeah, so I've learned a lot of marketing tips from this guy named Dean Jackson, who's like the original godfather of real estate marketing. He lives in Florida now. And one of his things was the super signature, where at the end of your email, it says like, P.S., whenever you're ready, here's a few ways we can help you. So very like how you're leading them. It's like, first way, check out my podcast. Number two, you can book an appointment with me here and whatever you want the other ones to be. I usually cap it at three. So in every description of a YouTube video, it says, P.S., when you're ready, here's a few ways we can help you. The first one is book an appointment with me on Calendly. And the second one is check out the podcast channel. But essentially, the structure of the video is I'll say the headline. Then I'll ask the viewer what they think about it. And then I'll say, if you watch this video and you get even an ounce of value out of it, all I ask is that you hit that like button, subscribe, and, and join our growing community. And if you watch this and you have specific questions about the Toronto real estate market, you can go into the first link in the description and book a buyer call, a seller call, or a discovery call just to chat about the market. So it's like I try to... It's not like a stop and add. It's like I try to make it a natural flow. Um, and in the calendar, these are three options, right? It's buyer, seller, consultation, and then discovery call. 90% of my appointments are discovery calls because no one wants to commit to say, I'm a buyer, I'm a seller right off the bat. But they always are. They just, they just click that third one. You know, the way you just recite exactly what you've said before on all these videos Remember like Ken Pozak, Matt, he was doing the same exact thing because we asked him a similar question, like, what's your kind of call to action? And he like flicked on like a robot almost <laughs> and just started like re reciting exactly what he says. It's cool that you guys can do that. We need to do that for likes and subscribes. By the way, if you're watching this, go this video, like and subscribe to the channel. Yeah, I, I say this all the time. They have these, you have like a tonal, something about your voice that's nice to listen to, Tom. Eric and I don't have that. I feel yeah, like we're true. no. No, I feel like I feel like we're not as like lovable or likable or something like I, like, I think, I think just, that's why we couldn't doorknob. It's our own voices, man. No, it's, it's just you don't like your own, own voices. Voice. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I don't know. Voices. I just well, thank you. But I just feel like you're very uh, intentful. And uh, I don't know when you talk, it's like you're just like a nice guy. I feel like when we talk, people don't think that about us. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, something, be, yeah. I mean, certainly Eric, they don't. I mean, Eric is a wonderful, wonderful man. I, I really do love Eric, but he is just people must think he's a complete asshole. I mean, I just the wrote guy the just, nicest blog about you. I'm the nicest I know. guy here. Again, I read that, the, I read that blog. Yeah, that was very sweet. Yeah. Thank he's you. a fantastic thank writer, too. But yeah. it's the tone of his voice. I mean, he doesn't have a punchable face like a Ricky Carruth or a Tom Tool, but he's definitely he certainly got like a, a, a mm -hmm. voice to him that's just kind of like, can this guy shut the up? You know? Damn. Holy yeah. shit! All right, hey, but I do too. In the but, yeah, right. <laughs> but I do too. But I do too. And Tom I think just you have a I very pleasant voice, Matt. Actually, maybe maybe it's just Thank the mic you. here. I don't I don't exactly know. But yeah, Tom, great voice, great mic, great face, symmetrical, great beard Thank length, you. great YouTube channel, perfectly fitting shirt as well, great background. I do have one so more I, question. I, I have I have one too. Okay. Okay. Eric, you keep, go going. keep going. Yeah. Wait, which one? Me or you? Matt? What else you got? What else you got? Okay, for this the is grades? good. Yeah. Yeah. The stat guy. Matt told me you are the stat guy, whatever that means. Uh -huh. I want to know how what media sources are you consuming to get all this knowledge? What are you looking at? Is it all broke agent media? Is it all BAM shit? What is it? Yes. It's BAM first, obviously. Perfect. Okay. Um, and then, and then like, I, I'm just like a nerd in the fact that like when the, like every real estate board, your local board will put out a stats package at the end of the month. Right. And we'll review everything. And this is public data for the most part, but no one takes advantage of it. Although when that comes out, I'm like reading through it. 
because I want to know the conversations I can have. And it's especially if like, if, if I'm meeting with a seller that specifically, like I do a lot of condos in downtown Toronto. So if I'm meeting with a seller as a condo, that's a larger condo is worth like $1.1 million. Well, the first thing I'll say to them is like, Hey, in the last three months, what I've noticed based on the data is that condo buyers over a million dollars only actually represent about 6% of the market. So right off the bat, we're playing in a smaller sandbox here. So I think that's valuable information a seller would need to know going into it. And that I'm also creating the value gap in which I knew something they didn't know because most people think they know more than us anyways, right? So I'm, I'm telling them something they couldn't have just Googled because I went out of my way to find that. Um, and then I just find things interesting, like what, you know, right now when we're seeing the year-over-year the -year numbers are about to look real bad for all markets because they're comparing for the first four months of last year. And, and what I noticed in my market is like the $2 million plus range is actually the fourth biggest category of homes being sold, which it didn't used to be that way. And when decrease of transaction goes down 80% in that category, there, it's not, the average sale price is obviously going to show that. So I, I think it's just making sure that you have something that you can say that's not just the average sale price is this, or when you see this, it actually means this. Like Matt, our market's year-over-year -year number said the market was up. 8.6%, which is mathematically true, but doesn't mean anything. So I think it's, it's making sure you can break that down for people. See, the way you spit out stats is how I retain information from sports. And you can see the passion when you're talking about this. And that sort of passion is so, so important for client facing stuff. And also like your actual content. Like I never had that with real estate. I could not retain information. I could barely remember the square footage of a listing or when the house was built, like the simplest stats known to mankind, right? Correct. My passion was always content and sports. I could tell you, you know, the batting average of someone on the Rockies in 1996, but I couldn't tell you what was going on right in front of me. So I love that you know all that. I think it's important to be the stat guy. Matt, can you retain that information? Yeah. Uh, oh. Yes. Yes, I can. Oh. Uh, someone call him the oh. stat man, not the scat man, the stat man. Yeah, I said the uh, stat man. No, you said the stat guy. Uh, oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Missed Sorry, opportunity. Stat, That's man. okay. Yeah. Now, before we, I do have a couple more questions here. Tom, do you think uh, the reason you win a lot of your appointments now is the work that you've already done from your videos and stuff like that? Yes. I, I almost prefer that they at least kind of know who I am before I meet with them. Uh, Cause still, you know, if I'm just meeting a complete stranger, you're still showing up and it doesn't matter what the heck you've done in your career before this, you got to prove yourself in that moment. Right. And that's where it comes down to maybe commissions more of an issue in those, in those appointments. Um, the one thing I've tried to do, regardless of if it was a referral, whether it came from YouTube or it was a past client is, is the pre-listing preparation, which I know sounds obvious, but it's like, okay, how can you walk through that door and basically feel like you've already got it? So we send, I don't know, you can see in the background here, there's that black box. It says VIP experience. And it's basically like a box we send our, our sellers with the listing booklet, like waters, a little tote bag, a uh, trades and services guide, all this stuff they, they're going to need anyways. Um, and they, they get it about two or three days before we have that face-to-face -face appointment booked. And then what I'm also doing is I'm using that one-to-one -one video style. So I'm actually going to send them, I'm going to send them a five to 10 minute video of me going over the comparables we're going to talk about when I get there. I'm not telling them what their house is worth, but like, here's the stuff we're already going to talk about. And you do those things beforehand when, when you walk in, it's basically like, yeah, we watched the video. Thanks so much for the box. Like, what do we need to do to sell this house? Um, so I'm trying to win it before I even walk in. Um, but then I find that we spend so much time as an industry 
doing things to get us to that kitchen table or to that Zoom room in today's world that when you show up, you better be prepared. You better be so good at that listing presentation. You better know exactly what they're going to say because everyone asks the same questions anyways. And they're not asking them because they're trying to grind you down on your commission. They're just, they're curious. They want to know where their friends have, at, have told them to ask those questions. So I think it's just like, it's almost like you go see a comedian once, you see them again. If they did the same set, you'd be like, oh, what's this? No new jokes. Um, where for us with our repeat clients, don't think you can just mosey on in there and think it's yours because they've been inundated with all their friends who probably six of them became realtors the local specialist been marketing like you're gonna be in your a game even more this the next time because the first time they didn't know what to expect anyways i worked at the laugh factory saw comedians repeat their same jokes all the time it was crazy so i would go back to back nights and see the same comedian say the same thing verbatim and i was utterly shocked but it makes complete sense, right? Like how can you keep switching up your five minutes? Well, that black box, by the way, for the people who aren't watching on YouTube is enormous. I don't know what the hell is in that thing, but it looks <laughs> It huge. looks like that Tom Ford book. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Giant. And then I see on top of that, you have a Furbo, right? You know, to watch your dog possibly flick you know out what? some treats. You it's should actually, put that. What is it's that? actually just a candle, but oh, it just, really? yeah. yeah. Oh, never mind. I was going to say, you should, you should drop that off with the black box. Keep a Furbo at your seller's apartment or house so you could hear everything that they're saying. There you go. Little, I like that. A takeaway right there. That's good. Yeah. Well, like well folks, that's illegal. So listen to everything that Tom said before that point, and uh, you should be good to go. Smart move. <laughs> well, that was, Tom, that was unreal. Um, I knew it was going to be, I was excited for this episode. Um, I, I'm just really stoked that you were on. Like I said, you're a big inspiration to me. Um, and it's cool to see that you've just like taken your business to an entirely different level and that you really like grew with the industry. A lot of people get complacent. And I think the fact that you really grew with this industry and you saw the importance of video and you, I mean, you gave us the stats of what it's done for your business. I mean, everyone should be kind of, if they're not already on video in some way, shape or form, no matter how big of a business you already have. I think you should be considering that moving forward. Well, thanks, man. I mean, it's so it's been so cool to see what what you've been doing. And Eric, like I've followed your stuff for basically since the beginning, and you've given me lots of laughs over Thank the you. years, which I I don't think people fully understand actually how important that is. They're like, we go through shitty days all the time, and like you know, uh, your content does make a difference. Like I truly do mean that. Like it, it makes a difference because it's a tough job. We joke about it, but like it's it's a lot of tough days in, in what we do. Well, I appreciate that. That's the nicest thing anyone has said to me <laughs> ever, especially on this podcast. Let's get this guy some more followers here. Where can the people follow you, Tom? Point them in a direction. You want them to visit your website or? Where, no, where definitely going? not. Yeah, uh, not. <laughs> on on Instagram, it's at the story team story spelled S-T-O-R-E-Y, like stories of a building. Uh, fun fact, they call it that because they used to paint actual stories on old European buildings. That's how that came. Um, or just type type my name into YouTube, Tom Story. You'll find my channel. Hell yeah. Wow. Jeez, even in his outro, he's, he's teaching us shit. This guy's a machine. <laughs> <it's> unstoppable. <laughs> Tom, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks, boys. Thank you.